Can you all hear me okay with the fans? No. Almost to the point of reverb, Zach. I'll do my best. So that means you guys are going to have to bellow. All right. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Let us pray. So Heavenly Father, as we consider your word for the next few moments, we ask your Holy Spirit to speak through it. Lord, that we would hear it and apply it to our lives. We thank you, Father, for the love that you have shown us and have called us to through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Can you hear me now? <laughs> All right. Ooh, that's a commercial, isn't it? All right. On behalf of our Mississippi team, I'd like to thank all of you for once again sending us to Canton, Mississippi to work within His Steps ministry. While our team was somewhat smaller this year, there were 17 of us. By God's grace, the size of the team was perfect for the work that we are called to do. Funny how that works. While this has been an important part of our senior high ministry here at Lanesville, this really is an all-church ministry. In fact, as I look out among you, I see so many of you that have prayed for us and have worked at, at various fundraisers, Christmas fairs, attended the pancake breakfast, all as a support for this work. And I would encourage all of you to prayerfully consider coming to Mississippi, perhaps next year. Our time in Canton not only gives us an opportunity to serve a neighborhood that we have come to love very, very much, but also as well, to, as well as an opportunity to support a ministry that we thoroughly appreciate in the work of Jasper and Carolyn Bacon, but also reminds us how big our God is. Now, I know we know how big God is, but it's such a wonderful thing when we connect with fellow believers in another region of our country and work side by side with the same purpose in mind. It's a wonderful reminder of how great our God is and how big his church is. As many of you know, this year marked our 22nd year of working with Jasper and Carolyn Bacon. Our history within his steps actually began as a result of a student I was mentoring from Gordon-Conwell in 1995, Peter Heltzel, who you all know. Peter had gone to Canton to work at Jasper's church with a group from Wheaton College, and a couple years later, Jasper and Carolyn started In His Steps ministry under the auspices of Riverwood Bible Church. Well, when Peter and I were talking about a project for the church, he suggested In His Steps, and that's where our history began with them. And we were among the first churches to go to Canton to work with them. In my opinion, these 22 years have been invaluable to the life of this church here in Lanesville. God has done far more than I ever expected as we have seen this work morph 
into something far better than we could ever have imagined. And the ramifications run deep in this church. If you just look around, the people that are interested and feel called to missions, part of that comes from their time in Mississippi. The number of social workers we have in this church, part of that comes as a result of their time in Mississippi, and so on. Well, this morning I would like to take a few moments and share with you from a passage in 1 John. As Glenn said, this year our theme for VBS was I Am Loved. And Jenny will tell you a little bit more about that in just a few minutes. But this being our theme, I asked Phil Lusk, who always writes our devotions for us, if he would put together a devotion on 1 John. Because 1 John focuses so much on the, on the love of God and the calling that we have to love one another. And so our devotions began Friday as we were driving down towards Roanoke as we would meet at a set time, we'd pray together at a stop, and then off we would go in the vans and do our thing. And then in Mississippi, every morning at seven o'clock, we'd begin the day in our small groups, doing our devotions, working our way through this very simple and yet very profound epistle. John, in his letter, is concerned about the three marks of faith as he sees them. And this is in response to the rising of Gnosticism. The first is the belief in the eternality of Christ, which is in direct opposition to what the Gnostics taught, where Jesus was a man that was infused with the Spirit of God at his baptism, and then the Spirit of God left, the Spirit of the Son left at the resurrection. That's one option. There's a lot of different views to Gnosticism. The second had to do with, with, has to do with obedience to the commandments that God has called us to, commandments that stem out of our love for God, and the third is that of brotherly love. In his commentary on the book of Galatians, the church father, Jerome, tells a famous story about the apostle John in his extreme old age in Ephesus. Apparently, John was so weak and infirm, he'd have to be carried into the congregation. And really, some of the only words he would ever say would be, would be <clears throat> little children love one another. And alas, as the story goes, one of his disciples asked him, why, why are you always telling us this? To which the apostle responded, because it is the Lord's command. And if only this is done, it is enough. In our text this morning, John summarizes God's commandment. To believe in Christ is to love one another. For Christians, the two are inseparable. This is the third time in the epistle that he takes this up and applies the supreme test of love. The first is in chapter 2, and the second is in chapter 3. And each time the test is more searching. In this third treatment, John is concerned to relate the love which should be in us to God's very nature of love which, with his loving activity in Christ and in us. Three times in the paragraph, the apostle exhorts his readers to love one another. And what John is at pains to demonstrate is the foundation of this imperative. God is love. He has demonstrated his love through Jesus Christ and now calls us to love as Christ has loved us. In other words, to follow Christ is to be loved and demands to love. Now, one of the things that we tried to stress with the children in the sawmill quarter is that they do not have to earn God's love by being good. God's love is a gift. 
And yet, this is the very thing that many non-believers, and sadly even some Christians, struggle over. Some Christians have fallen into the trap of thinking that they have to be good for God to accept them. But not only is this wrong thinking, it needs to leadless anxiety and angst. And if such a thought was true, how would we know when we are good enough to be accepted by God? We get this whole thing backwards. It's not because we're good that God loves us. Rather, we desire to live righteous lives in gratitude to God because he has loved us. Our love is a response to what he has done for us. Love is a free gift. And even more so, while we are not perfect, we have been perfected by the blood of Christ so that our old nature has passed away and we are new creatures with a new nature that is anchored in the love of God. Those to whom John writes seem to have struggled with this very issue, and especially those who had come under the Gnostic influence. This is why love is, repeat, is a repeated theme throughout the epistle. In verse 10, he puts the argument to rest. John says, This is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. And then he follows in verses 11 and 12 with a response to this love. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. The gift of God's Son not only assures us of God's love for us, but lays upon us an obligation. No one who has ever been to the cross and seen God's immeasurable and unmerited love displayed there can go back to selfishness. In fact, the implication seems to be as God has loved us with tremendous self-sacrifice, this is now how we are to love one another. And it cannot be any other way. Now what thrilled me this year in Mississippi was that since we had a smaller team, more work was required of each team member. And man, did they rise to the occasion. They truly put into practice self-sacrificial love. I had more people coming to me asking if I'd had enough to drink, if I needed any help, or if there's anything else they could do for me, which made me a little nervous because I thought that I looked like I was going to die. <laughs> but in fact, they were doing this for everybody else. We had one person, Anna Martin, who was our little note fairy, without anybody knowing about it, put little notes of encouragement all around in the kitchen and different places just to encourage the group. Everywhere we went, we saw the kids and the whole team rising to the occasion. Now, the benefit of such a mission is this, is that we understand that we are in this together with a specific goal that's in front of us, and therefore, you have to pull together to accomplish the goal. But this is no different than the church. A phrase we often say to the team is that our time in Canton is to be, is to be reflective of who we already are here in Gloucester. As the body of Christ, we do have one goal, and that is to let the love of Jesus shine in us and through us no matter where we may be. We had the privilege of working in Canton. We had the privilege of being in those relationships that have built over the years. We got to see wonderful things. And I tell you, you've got to ask everybody wearing one of these shirts a story. Especially Glenn's got a great story. 
Just say, go up to him and say, ain't no rock, and you'll hear the story. It's amazing. But we've gotten to see these remarkable things happen in Mississippi, but we get to see these remarkable things happen here as well. And as I close, I want to tell you one story that moved me. People always ask me, what are the highlights of Mississippi? I always look at them dumbly, because how in the world can I say what was a highlight? It's impossible. But there was one thing that happened. The last Sunday that we were in Canton, a week ago today, we took the kids to Sonic. And then we gassed up the vehicles before we were going to leave. Too many crickets. What's the matter with me? <laughs> it's not that emotional. <laughs> anyway, we get back to in his steps, and there standing, waiting for us, is this 22 year old guy named Banky. Now, Banky, we first met when he was about four in the Sawmill Quarter through VBS. Banky's now 6'3", 320 pounds, and is the starting right guard for LSU. Now, he was on his way back, but he wanted to see us, and so he waited it in his steps so he could greet us. And there was a carload of people waiting with him, but he wanted to see us. I, couldn't, I can't tell you how wonderful that was to see him. And so we had this great time of prayer and, and greeting him. It was just remarkable. The next day, Monday morning, as we're ready to leave, I'm just telling Jasper, I don't know if you told Banky that we were here, but it was so great to see him. And he said, Pete, you need to know, and I said this to the whole team, that Banky's journey to faith began with you guys at VBS years ago. And Banky now has a Bible study that he does with Jasper every Sunday afternoon via FaceTime. And now he's got more LSU football players joining that study in his apartment. And then, and then, for whatever reason, Carolyn gets on the phone and prays with them. Why it's Carolyn, I don't know. But anyway, they have this remarkable time. And Banky has this ministry now that Jasper says far exceeds anything he ever imagined. And who knows where it's going to wind up. Now, the reason I'm sharing this with you is not to pat ourselves on the back, but rather to give you a glimpse of what God has been pleased to do through your ministry in Canton. We do not always get to see such things, but it's thrilling when we do. Banky's story is an excellent reminder of how God's works. God has called us to be faithful witnesses to him in this very dark and troubled world. And we all need to remember that our God is powerful, and that nothing will thwart him, and he is working in ways that we cannot imagine, and he delights in using us as his witnesses. Who knows how he may be using each of us here in Gloucester. But what can be more thrilling than knowing that God delights in doing so? May the light of Christ, the love of Christ, shine in each of us. This time I'd like to invite Jenny forward to share with us. Good morning. Oh, louder? Is that good? Okay. Um, so I first just wanted to say um, thank you 
to everyone who donated to our trip this year, um, whether it was the breakfast bars or the sports equipment. Um, I don't think you know like how important that is and how much of a blessing that is to us to have those bars every morning for the kids to eat so they aren't hungry and to have um, extra footballs or soccer balls or jump ropes to play with was just so awesome. So thank you so much um, for that. Um, so I just wanted to um, share a little bit about our theme this year. Pete and my dad both um, talked a little bit about it. So our theme was You Are Loved. Um, I chose this with Pete um, because the idea of um, God's love had just been coming up a lot in my life, and I'd been um, reminded of it a lot. Um, and I realized that it was something that I was taking for granted. Um, and the line in the song that we just sang was actually something that really struck me this past winter and spring. Um, so it's uh, the line from Reckless Love. It says, I couldn't earn it, I don't deserve it, but still you gave yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Um, and just the idea that his love is so powerful and um, so overwhelming but something that a lot of us have heard our whole lives and so that we do take it for granted and we don't realize it's true power and we don't remind ourselves of that. Um, so that's why um, we decided to do it for VBS and share it with these kids. Um, I was worried at first because it's such a broad subject. How do you define and talk about God's love in you know, day themes and on just in one week it was kind of overwhelming. Um, but we ended up getting it down into five different themes for each day. Um, and we had skits that each day would present like a question or a theme by Paul and Leilani mostly, who did an amazing job as our actors. Um, so Monday was defining what is love and kind of the difference between the way we understand love is like our earthly view and really what God's true love is. Um, and then Tuesday, we learned about and ask the question, how do I know I'm loved? Um, a lot of these kids are, don't feel worthy of it and are put down a lot in their lives. And so that idea that, how do I know that this God really loves me, this little person on earth? Um, and then Wednesday, we learned how God's love is a free gift and not something we have earned. Like Pete talked about a little bit, that idea that we can get nervous and think, how could I possibly be good enough for this? Um, but just releasing ourselves from that and the fear and anxiety that just can wash away as soon as you accept that God's love is a gift and you could not do anything to earn it. Um, Thursday was um, we have a purpose and that through this love that is a gift to us, God's giving us each our own purpose in our life um, to go out and do his work and that he can use anybody. Um, and that was a really powerful day, especially for me. Um, and then Friday we learned about how we're now called to love one another and because we have God's love within us we can go out and share it with everybody. Um, a really unique thing we did this year which was really cool was we actually went along each night and did a Devo with just the team that went along with the theme for VBS each day. Um, the idea was that we would not just be going and telling the kids these things but really trying to understand them ourselves and making sure that we were um, believing it in ourselves so that we were then going and sharing it with them because just we were so excited about what we ourselves were learning this week. And I think I can speak for a lot of my team members um, when I say that I really learned a lot about God's love this week. Not only did we go to share it with these kids, but we were 
really transformed a lot in our own lives, um, just learning about how powerful his love is. Um, I just wanted to share a little story, too, about a little girl. Um, one thing in this trip that was really amazing was God was actually able to give us little, like, encouraging moments with the kids. A lot of times um, we go down there and we leave thinking, well, did we really do enough? Like, did we really get to them? Did, did we do anything? Was, did we say the right words? And you, you're not receiving things back that makes you think that they really got it. Um, but this one little girl was just, like, so excited every morning to be there, was, like, jumping up and down when we would come in. So I think it was Tuesday morning, and we showed up, and she was there with her grandmother. And she, we got out of the cars, and she ran to all, all of us, giving us hugs. Oh, my goodness, you're here. I love you. And her grandmother said, how long are you guys going to be here? I can't take her anymore. <laughs> and she said she was up at 6 a.m., asking me when you guys were going to get here. And then she told her, well, I think they're not here till 9.30. So the girl decided to take her phone and sat there and every 10 minutes asked her, are they here yet? Are they here yet? And then she said to her grandmother something that was just so amazing to us. Um, she said, um, I love them because they love me. They really love me. And she said, I know they love me because they tell me they love me and they show me they love me because they take care of me and they play with me and they, they won't let anything bad happen to me. And the idea that this little girl was able to like verbalize to her grandmother the ways in which she was seeing love from our team was so encouraging that we could feel like, wow, we're really showing love, we're like succeeding in it and just give, gave us this energy to keep going each and every day in the 100 degree weather <laughs> and hugging these kids and singing with them and playing with them. Um, so that was just a really powerful moment. Um, so one of the things um, that really stuck out to me in our devotions was the last day when we were, talked about our call to love one another um, and just how important it is to have love, not only show love, but the love um, within our church body. And how people in the Samuel Quarter and in Mississippi were able to see how not only we loved on them, but how we loved each other. And that was just so powerful. Um, and another quick little story. <laughs> um, one day, I'm gonna tell it for Ellen, <laughs> if that's okay. Uh, she was sitting there and a girl was braiding her hair. And this other little, I think it was a little girl, was walking around and came up to her and said, are you guys, are you white folks? And Ellen kind of looked at her like, that's an odd question. <laughs> like, clearly you see. And so the girl behind her braiding her hair said, no, they're not. They're just people. They're just people like us. And that was just so amazing that God gave us this little girl who said, they're not, it's not white and black. It's not, there's not that um, separation between us. We're just people. And for me, I took that as, um, we're called to love these people, but also all the people back here at home, that we're just one church body, and there shouldn't be, like Pete said, this separation where we go out and love these people and, it's, and come back home and, you know, kind of not know how to, like, show that love here. But really, we can do the same exact thing right here at home, and that those kids don't need God's love more than anyone here in our own community. Um, so that was something that really struck me, and I just wanted to encourage you in that. Um, and I'll just end by reading our verse for the week. Um, it's Romans 8:38. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, 
nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Morning. Um, so if I'd known we had to come up to the pulpit, I probably wouldn't have volunteered to share, but I just wanted to take a moment to tell you kind of a little bit about Jenny, touched on it, about our devotions and our team worship, which for me has always been, as an introvert, a little hard at the end of the day when we all get together. I'm like, okay, we're going to sing now, and then I get to go to bed. And we, this year, introduced a new thing in the mornings where we would share a psalm. One person would share a psalm they found powerful, and they would pick someone to share it the next day. So on Monday morning, Sarah shared a wonderful passage with us, and then she said my name for the next day, and I just sat there. I was like, oh, okay. And at that point, I was already feeling overwhelmed. I didn't really know how I was going to make it to Friday, and I was thinking, I'm the only one. There's no way anyone else feels this exhausted. And I remember that night after VBS praying, I'm like, God, please help. Songs go over quickly. Let me get a good night's sleep. And thinking, I can't pray. Make me less exhausted. That's, that's too big. We'll start with, could songs be shorter? <laughs> and like, I had that distinct thought. And then I was like, oh, I have to pick my verse for tomorrow. Dang, I forgot that. And so I opened my Bible. I'm like, first song I find, that's what I'm sharing. And God must have had a good chuckle at that because I opened it, and I'd like to share the psalm that was the first one I opened to, and it got me through the rest of the week along with many of the other psalms and team devotions and moments with the kids where God was showing he isn't, he, it's not too big a prayer request to ask to take away my exhaustion. And from that moment on after reading that psalm and talking with the team that morning, he really buoyed me up and reminded me that he is a great God and he's a large God and that no request is too big for him. And so this is the psalm that I picked. Psalm 46. God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. And that really spoke to me and encouraged me that we do have this great comfort in God and that I might have been feeling so down that I didn't think I could do anything to get back up to the positive team energy, go out, help the kids, color on the memory verse with them. And I was really reminded, no, God can do that and he can help us. And then came Tuesday night and I was exhausted again and I forgot this psalm. And we were singing and the whole message of all the songs that night were about how if you lack the strength, you ask God, and he is your fortress, and he is your protection. And that kept happening every day throughout the trip, and it really seemed to me like God was putting it on my heart to share that when we forget or we feel down, he really is there to protect us. So I'd want to pass that along as an encouragement today. Thank you. Good morning. I wanted to share a little bit this morning, briefly, about how the skits were in Mississippi, which is a little snapshot of 
kind of the focal point of the VBS where all the kids are together in the same place and we're all telling them kind of the theme for the day and the Bible or the little skit that goes along with it to explain how everything's going to work for that day and the theme. And I've been going to Mississippi for five years and in my five years I have been in the skits every year. And this year I was pleased because instead of being the main role, I was only the second role. So I needed to know slightly fewer lines, which was great. And the skits this year really kind of reminded me in a way of the story of Gideon because I and the girl who I was, Leilani, who was doing the skits with me, uh, we practiced before going to Mississippi a grand total of once. And that was only the first three days. So... <laughs> Uh, being there in Mississippi, we had not rehearsed the skits that we were going to do, one of the, one of the very important parts of VBS, at all. And I could really just uh, feel the spirit working because there was no way that we were able to accomplish what we did with the skits on our own. And the skits did go well, I hope. And the kids were more focused on the skits this year than any of the past years that I can remember. So I wanted to share briefly a story from a conversation that I had with one of the very little girls, uh, the same girl that Jenny was actually talking about. And I'll give some, I'll give some context to the story first from the skit uh, so that it makes sense. So the skits were between two characters, Mary and Benny. And Mary knew everything, and I was Benny. Uh, so Benny's role in the skits was to ask Mary questions about God's love and what do I need to earn God's love and does God really love me? And I thought, don't you have to be really good to be loved by God? And Mary would say, no, Benny, and then go on to explain, usually with a Bible story. And at the end, end of the first day's Bible story, Benny's all frustrated and he just goes, I just don't get it, which all the kids thought was hilarious. So the second day, this, this little girl comes up to me. She goes, Benny, Benny, Benny. Like, oh, that's me. And so I get down. She's about, she's about here on me. So I get down, and I'm, I'm talking to her, and I say, uh, well, well, what is it? She says, you just don't get it. <laughs> well, that's true. And she said, you don't, you don't get that God loves you, like, no matter what you do. And you don't need to earn God's love. And she said, I have a new, new name for you. You're Benny, the don't understand man. <laughs> so it was, it was really, really great to see how impactful the skits that Leilani and I had barely rehearsed. On Friday, it was the worst. We rehearsed the morning before going to VBS just, just a couple times. But really, it just showed that God was working through us and giving us the retention and energy that we needed to recall and perform the skits so that the kids really, they really did get it as that little girl showed. You don't need to earn God's love. You just need to, you just need to be there and God will love you. So yes, that is what I wanted to share with you today. Now, Kevin can close us off. Good morning. So this was my first time going to Mississippi um, and I wanted to share a little bit about my perspective based on that and really I wanted to talk to the people in our church who don't go on Mississippi either because they can't or because they haven't been able to in several years or whatever else it is um, because 
all of those people, all of you are still very much a part of making this trip happen. Um, there's a small group of us that goes, but there's no way that we could make this trip happen without the support of everyone else. Um, so I actually want to jump back to a little more than a year back from now. Um, I think it was before the last trip. Um, I wasn't going to be going, but Hannah was, and we were just talking about Mississippi and talking about whether or not it was something that the church can, should continue doing. Pete, I haven't talked to you about this, so I'm sorry if this is a bit of a blind side, but I was questioning whether this was the right thing for the church to be doing with its time, with its money. Um, I mean, it's a big trip in terms of time. It's nearly two weeks. It's a significant amount of money that we're spending on this. Um, and I wasn't of the mindset that we shouldn't be doing it, but I was definitely of the mindset of, is this the right way to be spending our money? Should we really be doing this, especially with the past couple of years, not as many people have been able to go, teams have been smaller. Um, I wanted to have a conversation about whether or not it was the right thing for us to be doing. Um, so fast forward to now, you asked me that same question, should our church still be putting all of this time, all of this money year round into making Mississippi happen? My answer, unequivocally. And the main reason behind that um, is something that I can take no credit for. Most of the younger ones of us cannot take credit for. It really comes from the work that Pete has done over the years, that Jasper has done over the years, um, the work that so many people in this congregation have done over the past 22 years of going down to Mississippi. And that's the relationships that are so firmly ingrained between this community and the Sawmill Quarter. Um, and I want to give you a couple pictures of what that looks like. Um, for one, the Sawmill Quarter is not a neighborhood that we should be able to go into comfortably in the way that we can. It is a pretty impoverished neighborhood. It's completely or almost completely black people living there. Um, it's not a nice neighborhood. There are a lot of people there who have had really rough lives and who, for good reason, are pretty distrusting of white people who randomly show up in their neighborhood. But you wouldn't know that if you just saw our team go in there. So we got down there um, and went out to share VBS flyers the first day and immediately people start walking up to us. People from the Sawmill Quarter start walking up to us and are wanting to know how somebody's doing, how their family's doing, are reconnecting after a year because there's already so much of a relationship there. Um, the first thing that Pete did was go up to the home of this couple that we've known for I don't know how many years, um, and they were just so glad to see him. Um, the first thing that happened when Jenny got out of the van is a girl that she's known for years walked up and gave her a hug and wanted to know how she was doing. Um, one of the other things that happened during that first few moments in the sawmill quarter is we had half the team go up onto the porch of an elderly woman who's in a wheelchair um, and sit and talk with her for I don't know how long 
uh, just because she was so excited to see us and everyone was so excited to see her. And they did all of this despite the fact that there was a wasp nest right under the ramp leading up to her, ramp, leading up to her porch and a couple people got stung. Um, and that was just the first day. And not being in VBS, I can't share as much about what that looked like for the rest of the week. Um, but what I can share are the brief impressions that I got coming in from the work crew to be there for singing and for the skits. Um, so basically what I would see every single day when we showed up from the work crew, because we'd get started about an hour earlier in the morning, um, I'd come in every single day and every one of the young women who was on the trip would have at least one kid hanging off of them. Um, and that would be the entire time. Uh, these kids had so much trust in our team and so much trust in these young women that as soon as they showed up, they walked up and they wanted to be held. They wanted to be hugged. Um, a lot of these kids are coming from homes where they don't get as much love as they want, as much love as they need because they have maybe one parent who's already extremely overtaxed with everything else that they're dealing with and the parent just doesn't have the bandwidth. Um, but then our team shows up and can stand in that gap a little bit. Um, despite the fact that it's blazing hot and little kids are always hot and they're holding them the entire day just sweating and trying to survive the heat. Um, all of these young women spent the whole trip loving on these kids in a way that they so dearly needed it. Um, I just lost what my last point was. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, but there were several other moments throughout the trip that just really illustrated the relationship that we've built up with people there. Um, the story that Pete mentioned about Glenn, you really should ask him about because it it's an excellent, excellent reminder of the faithfulness of God and what his love is able to do with a body of people who's willing to go and do something hard and to do something repeatedly. Um, so I want to end with this. Um, I want to end with a thank you to everybody in this church who didn't go on the trip. Um, we couldn't have done it without you. We need people here who are praying for us, who are supporting us materially with breakfast bars and sports equipment and donations. Um, we need the families and the friends around us supporting us and helping us deal with all the preparations for the trip um, and all of the emotional recovery after the trip. Um, we couldn't have done this without you, so thank you. Um, and the last thing I want to say is just to encourage everyone, whether you can go on the trip or not, keep being a part of making this happen because it is so, so important. Um, whether that means going on the trip, taking the time off work, which I know is difficult, or it means being there for that fundraiser, helping out with putting on the pancake breakfast or any other fundraisers we put on, um, or just praying for us. That prayer is so, so important. Um, so whatever that looks like for you, I would just encourage you all, be a part of this and know that even if you're not in those vans driving down there with us, you're very much a part of what God is doing in that community. Uh, 
Well, thank you very much. I know it's hot, but it's so good to share these things with you. Also, you need to talk to Zach. We did more work projects this year, a wide variety of work projects. You haven't heard anything about those. Some of them were rather exciting. So let us stand together and sing unto our Lord our hymn, which is hymn number 642, Be Thou My Vision. Be thou my vision, O Lord of my heart, not be all else to me, save that thou art, thou my best thought by day or by night, waking or sleeping, thy presence Be thou my true word, I ever with thee, and thou with me, Lord. Thou my great Father, I thy true Son, thou in me dwelling, and I with thee one. Be thou my shield, sword for my fight. Be thou my dignity, thou my delight. Thou my soul shelter, thou my high tower. Raise thou me heavenward, O power of my power. Riches I heed not, nor man's empty praise. Thou mine inheritance, now and always. Thou and thou only first in my heart. High King of heaven, my treasure thou art. My victory won. May I reach heaven's joy so bright, heaven's sun. Heart of my own heart, whatever befall, still be my vision. 